My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. Welcome. If you're online, we're so glad you're here. My name's Taylor. I'm one of the pastors here at Sunrise, and I get the joy and the honor and privilege of speaking to you through our series called Believe in the Gospel of John. And man, it has been a great journey so far as we just kind of unpack what it really means to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is who he says he is, that he's the Messiah, that he is the fulfillment of all of the prophets and what they had to say about him in the Old Testament, in the coming, in the kingdom to come as well. And so I just want to open in prayer this morning and just really let God come in and meet us right where we're at because I believe he can do it better than anyone else. So, Lord, man, we, we need you this morning. We need you, God. Man, we come from all kinds of different stories and backgrounds and things that have even happened this week in our lives. And we say, man, we, we just need you to show yourself as real, is to just meet us in our pain, to meet us in our brokenness, to meet us in our circumstances. And maybe it's even just to encourage us, Lord, and along the way and, and meet us in our joy. And so, God, I just pray that you would do what you do best in this moment as we unpack the scripture and we learn of what you have, what you have left for us to reveal about yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, if you didn't know, I was a baseball player at one time. Um, early retirement. Didn't make it to the big leagues, but... Uh, it was my sport of preference. And so uh, I actually had the desire to play in college. That was my, um, that was kind of my lifelong pursuit was to do that, even though I was very young at that time. You know me in age. It's, it fluctuates. It's variable, right? 30, 30 what? Um, so, I, uh, so I had this desire to play in college, and I go and I try out in college. I missed my freshman year because I, t- I had an injury coming into my, senior year, or into my freshman year of college. I tore my labrum in my left shoulder. And so then my sophomore year is the year I kind of come out and I finally get a tryout in the fall. And I think it's a couple week tryout. And I remember coming in and I'm, this is some of the best athletes that I've played with in the sport of baseball at this time. And so I haven't picked up a bat or a glove competitively in about a year at this point. And so kind of coming in, my confidence is low, I'm insecure, I'm playing with the best. You can imagine just kind of the thoughts going through myself, as, or going through me as I, I think about this moment. And so I end up going in and making it through the preliminary round of cuts. 
And I'm going, I'm going, and there's one more cut I got to make it through. It's the final cut. And I'm like, if I can make it past the final cut, this is a tryout that's in the fall. I'll have the next couple months to kind of get my bearings, to get more confidence, to kind of get, get back to what I felt like was really my potential. And so the final cut's on the horizon, and as it, as it shows up, it's, I remember the email's going to come out that night. And I'm sitting there with one of my really good friends at the time. And he's not a baseball player. He's just sitting there. He's a good friend. He knows this email's coming. And finally, the email comes in the box. It's in alphabetical order. And that's the great name about, great part about having a name that starts with a V at the last band of Couverings, my last name. And so I have to get all the way to the end. And so I scroll down this list of who's, gonna be, who's on the team. And I get to the end of the list, and I find out my name's not on the list. And I go and, you know, you, you kind of have all kinds of emotions in that moment. And I remember my friend, he's such a good friend. He's like, man, we'll come back next year. Like, dude, I'll help you. I'm a, I'm a soft toss to you, all these kind of things. And I'm like, no, I know my journey is over. My season with baseball is coming, is, is over. It's done. This, is, this was it. And to me, it felt like a punch to the gut, right? It's like, oh, man, this was like, this was my purpose. This is what I did. I, I played baseball. And I see my name not on the list. I'm, I feel the loss and the pain. And it's just like, what am I going to do now? What am I really going to do with my life now that everything I've my, thrown myself into since I was five years old is no longer on the table? It's like I knew one day that I'd have to hang up the cleats. I knew one day like it would come, that I would just maybe be a coach instead. But this was kind of unexpected. Like it really was in my mind. And so I, I asked the question this morning, like, have you ever been there before? Like that feeling of loss, that feeling of like, man, the thing that you found your purpose in is taken away from you. And I asked that, like, I, I used the example of baseball this morning, and it's just baseball, really, at the end of the day. But many of us have experienced something way more substantial when it comes to loss in our life. Like some of us have lost spouses. Some of us have lost job opportunities. Some of us have lost, man, we lost someone who we thought was going to be there forever in our life. Like, man, we thought we had so many years left and they're gone now. Some of us have lost dreams and ambitions. Like we've lost that. Some of us, we can't have kids. Like you, your greatest desire was to be a parent and that is taken away from you. Right? Some of you got a diagnosis that has taken away so much. And so it's like, what do we do in these moments, these significant moments in our lives where it feels like we've lost something? That the very thing we've thrown ourselves into, the purpose that we've kind of created in our lives is no longer something that we can invest ourselves in anymore or is no longer there. And that can be a scary place to be because it's like, what's next? And that's right where we enter the story today when it comes to the disciples who've been spending all their time with Jesus. Because Jesus is going to basically tell them, he tells them, he's like, hey, I'm leaving. I'm leaving and you can't come with me. They're like, whoa, you're leaving? Yeah, I'm leaving and you can't come with me. And so as we enter in, we got to remember that we have transitioned in the gospel of John. We, are, we have moved ourselves from what was the public ministry of Jesus to all these, to basically everyone, him performing signs and showing that he is the son of God to now it's this private ministry of Jesus with just these close group of men around him, close group of people around him that are his disciples specifically. And so he pulls them close and he says, hey, I'm going I'm to show you some things. I'm going to teach you some things about the kingdom and prepare you for my departure. 
And so this is what, last week we come across him and he's washing the disciples' feet. He washes his Judas' feet, his betrayer. And this is where we pick it up right after Judas leaves the room. He says, dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come to where I'm going. Now, like, let's remember, these guys left jobs, they left family, they left ambitions, they left dreams, they left purpose, or what they thought was purpose at the time, to follow Jesus, to give it all up. That's what these guys did. They spent the last three years with Jesus. And so maybe for some of them who are just fishermen and tax collectors, you know, feeling like there probably is to some degree, they're, they're looking for purpose in their life. Jesus comes and gives them purpose. Jesus comes and gives them mission. Jesus comes and lights a fire inside them saying, hey, you have a reason for living. And then all of a sudden, after spending three years together, they get there and Jesus goes, hey, I got to go. And you can't come with me. So wait a second. Jesus was supposed to be the person that would deliver these Jews from their oppression by the Roman government. He was supposed to be the savior of the world, and now he's coming to them and going, guys, I got to go. And you can't come with me to where I'm going. And so everything that they had built up, the expectations, their plans for the last three years are gone. Right out the window. And they, you can imagine the feelings that they're going through. One... They just found out, as we talked about last week, that Jesus was going to be betrayed. That would have been a huge shock to all of them. Two, we actually come off the scene of Peter going, hey, I'm going to follow you anywhere, Jesus. And Jesus goes, no, actually, you're going to deny me three times. They're like, wait, Peter's going to deny Jesus? Peter's like the, he's like the all-star in the group. He's the most faithful, and he's going to deny Jesus? And then lastly, we just, they find out like Jesus is leaving, and they don't get to join him in where he's going. Like, it feels like the end of the world to these guys. This is it. This was supposed to be the guy, and now he's gone. Now he's going somewhere. And Jesus, knowing they feel this, knowing they feel this moment, he goes, let me, let me say this to you guys. He goes, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. I want to translate, I want to show you a different translation for it just as don't worry or surrender to your fear, for you've believed in God. Now trust and believe in me also. Man, I love that. I love that. Jesus is just like, hey, guys, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. And so when we're looking at our pain this morning and we're looking at our loss, I believe what Jesus is saying to us is he's saying, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. Don't worry. Don't surrender to that fear you have right now. Don't do that. Trust in me. Believe in me. And so what I, uh, what I want to talk about, because I, I think is so important, is this, is this word trust. Because what does it really mean to trust in God? What does it really mean to trust in Jesus? Like we say that a lot of time, but what does it mean? And if we go to the original language and we understand the word that is used here, trust, is actually the same word for belief. And so you can see that in the other translation. It says, believe in me. Believe in God and believe in me. And we've been spending this entire series unpacking the word believe. That's what we've been doing. We've been talking about what does it really mean to believe. So a synonym for believe, we can say, is the word trust. So now let's go, let's, let's see what Oxford Dictionary has to tell us about the word trust. It says, believe in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of 
Jesus. Jesus wasn't in the Oxford Dictionary. I put that in there. They, they had a typo. All right? But no, seriously. So, so then when we start saying, when, when Jesus goes to his disciples and he says, hey, I want you to trust in God and trust in me. He's saying, I want you to believe in the reliability of who I am. I want you to believe in the truth of who I am. I want you to believe in my ability or strength. Because Jesus had just been three years with these guys, showing them and revealing to them who he is and what the kingdom's like. And he's saying, I need you to trust this. I need you to trust all the things you've seen. I need you to believe that. I need you to really, really trust that. And so we start getting this idea of really what does it mean to believe in Jesus? It's to trust in his reliability. It's to trust in the truth. It's to trust in his ability. And it's to trust in his strength. That helps us unpack what it really means when someone says, you believe in Jesus and go, yes, I believe in Jesus, which means I trust him. I trust him. And as we see that, that is such an important part of our journey and walking with Jesus. And so, unfortunately, though, this leaves us with some doubt. And the disciples feel some doubt in this moment. They're like, that's great. We should trust you, but we don't really feel like trusting right now. We've all been there. And so Jesus uses this. <laughs> he keeps going. He says, there's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Man, that's, that's a great promise. It's a great promise. But sometimes we can kind of look at that. Okay, you're going to go prepare rooms in your father's home. Like, what does that necessarily mean? And as we now can sit on the other side of this, we understand that Jesus is going to heaven. He's speaking of heaven. And by preparing, what he means is by the journey that he will take to his resurrection, which means he will be crucified. He will die for our sins. That's the preparing that he's doing for us. Because at this moment, at this current moment, there is still a wedge between humanity and God the Father, and that is sin. And Jesus is going, I have to go prepare a way. I have to go deal with sin, because sin is still the issue. And so by dying on the cross, by dying for our sins, he has prepared the way to heaven, prepared the way to the Father. That's what he's telling us. That's what he's saying in this. And so as we keep going, he goes, he, he, he kind of assumes, right, or maybe he's probing the disciples for the next question. He says, this, he says this next, he says, and you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? Thomas is like us. Like, that's what I want to say. Like, Thomas is like, all right, let's put this in plain English. We don't know the destination and we don't got directions, so throw us a bone, Jesus. We have no idea what you're talking about. Like, that's him. And then Jesus is going to follow up. He's like, okay, you want to know what I'm talking about? Let me say one of the most profound things you're ever going to hear me say. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one could come to the Father except through me. Now, this is one of the most profound statements you're going to find in Scripture. This is powerful. Now, we may not understand why it's powerful. I want to spend some time unpacking it. But this is a powerful statement. Because the truth is, is that Jesus is saying, I'm everything you ever wanted and everything you'll ever need. That's what he's saying. You know why? Because all of us in our life, we're looking for direction. We're looking for direction. And Jesus goes, I'm the way. All of us are looking for something true. Like there's a lot of things that claim to be true. And Jesus goes, I am the truth. Many of us are claiming, like we, we want something that's going to last forever. And Jesus goes, I am the life. 
So now let's, let's spend some time in each one. When he says, I'm the way, I wanna, I'll use a good example for you. I was driving to Gresham two days ago. Taylor, what were you doing driving to Gresham? I don't know. I was finding a good deal on Facebook Marketplace, and so I drove out to Gresham, all right? That's what I do. <laughs> That's a little bit of my life, all right? <laughs> so I'm driving out to Gresham, and I plug it in in my directions, and there's, there's two ways to get there, it says. It says one is the, the fastest way, and one is the way with the fewest amount of turns. Now, that was just me who was driving. Now, if you're really ambitious, you could have said, hey, I want to walk to Gresham. I could ride my bike to Gresham. I could take public transportation to Gresham, right? There's all kinds of ways to get to that destination, which I think is very, very indicative of how we kind of go through life. We think there's a lot of ways to get through life. More importantly, what Jesus is referring to, there's a lot of ways we believe to get to Jesus or to get to the Father. We think there's so many different ways sometimes to get there, and Jesus is trying to say, I'm the way. And what I mean by so many ways, many of us believe by just showing up to church sometimes, like that, that's enough. Like that'll get us to the Father. You want to talk baseball numbers, like some of us are like, if I just get to church three out of ten times, that's Hall of Fame numbers in baseball. That'll get you in to Cooperstown. All right? So if I make it three out of ten weekends, like that's, that's good enough. Like that's, I mean, I'm, I'm not an angel. I'm not going ten for ten, but... Three out of ten, that's good. Some of us think, like, if we just live a good enough life, like, we, we put enough wins up versus losses in our life, like, that's, that's a way to get to the Father. But I'll just live a good life. I'll just live a decent life. Yeah, I'm not perfect. I don't got it all together, but I'm living a good life. I'm treating people with respect for the most part, unless they cut me off. Right? And then what, what, what a lot of us are wrestling with sometimes, and, and those that find this very offensive are those of a, of a different faith, of a different spirituality, of a different religion, who find, think there's another way to get to God. Like, they, they're like, yeah, that's great. That's your way. Like, man, that's your beliefs. I don't want to step on those. And Jesus goes, no, I'm the way. I'm the only way to the Father. And so therefore, by saying this, Jesus is like, the very thing that you desire to be in the Father's presence, I'm the way to that. And I'm the only way. And then if we move on to life, we all realize that, or sorry, move on to truth. Let me get these in order. Um, We move on to truth. I believe we all desire something real, something that's very true at the core of our being. And Jesus knows this. And, And... more than ever, we live in a society and culture that, like, if it's artificial or it's phony or it's fake, it's like, we don't even give it the time of day. We're like, we want what's true. We want what's real. And so, therefore, what we desire, and I would say even the younger generation coming up, is like, we want something so authentic, something vulnerable, something real. We want to experience that. And now if we're not careful, though, the other side of that is emotions. And emotions become truth. And therefore, how I feel determines truth. Because we want something authentic, because we want something real, because we want that, we all of a sudden go, how I feel is the truth. And emotions are true. I'm not telling you to bury them. I'm not telling you to hide them. I'm not, I'm not any of that. If you haven't figured it out, I'm kind of an emotional guy. So 
I'm not telling you to do that, but what I am telling you is that emotions are true, but they're not the truth. They're true. They're very true, but they are not the truth. I'm not telling you to hide how you feel. I'm not telling you to stuff that down. I'm telling you that emotions are real, but they're not the truth. You cannot make decisions in your life based off of them. And so therefore, Jesus comes on the scene and he's like, hey, truth is not a concept. Truth is not an idea. Truth is not how you feel. Truth is a person and that person is me. I am truth. My words are truth. What I say is truth. And at the end of the day, like at the core of our being, we desire what's true. We desire truth. And therefore, we desire Jesus. And then as we get to the final one, he says, I'm, I'm the life. And as I said, we all want something that lasts forever. That's what, that's what we desire. And so if I sit here and I ask you the question and I go, hey, why don't you tell me about some of your, some of your most like fond memories going through your life? Like what are, what are some moments? What's the highlight reels, the ones where you're like, if you could go back and live them again or be a fly on the wall and just and spectate. Like, what are those moments? What are those memories? That, like, I always like talking about that one. I always love going back and telling the story about this one. And this is where you have to have such a, man, uh, I, I, this is where I really look up to the people, my elders, who have just been living this life for such a long time because they're the ones who have such wisdom when it comes to this area. Because they sit there and they go, you know what? This is one of my favorite moments. And they'll go back and they'll tell you about something. You're like, wait, that's your favorite moment? They're like, yeah, that's, that's my favorite moment. That's one of my moments that I, if I could go back, I'd live that one again. You're like, what? There's, but there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing spectacular about it. Yeah, yeah, that's the point. That's the point. The point is that moment made me feel most alive because it was real. Because it was authentic. Because it was intimate. It was a moment with my son. It was a moment with my daughter. It was a moment with my spouse. We were just living life. And we were experiencing it. And really a part of it. We weren't focused on what was next or what was behind us, but I was right there. And, the, and I believe that those are the things that we desperately desire. That as I tell you to go back and, and think about those moments, you go, yeah, I, sometimes I spend my life trying to recreate those moments because I truly felt alive in that moment. And the reason we want those moments is because that's really living. That's the moments that where we really feel like our soul is full of life. That we're being fed and we're like, man, that was, that was beautiful. And we don't want those moments to ever end. We want those to go on forever. And Jesus comes on the scene. He says, you know those moments? He's like, I, I promise you the best life. I promise you the best life today. And forever, I promise eternal life. And that's what he's saying to us. He's like, I will give that to you. And a lot of times we wrestle with this statement because we're like, Jesus feels like a lot of restrictions. Not really life. And Jesus comes, no, 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 I am life. And so when we join our life to Jesus, we live now and forever. And we experience the best life. Doesn't mean there's not pain or heartache. It means we experience what life really is and what it encompasses. And so as we, if I was to just summarize everything I've just said, I want to give you the Taylor translation this morning. 
Jesus looks at him, looks at us and says, I'm everything you're looking for. I'm everything you're striving for. Everything you're desperately seeking is found in me. You don't have to look any further. I'm enough. Like, you don't have to go anywhere. That, that's essentially what I would say Jesus is saying to you this morning when he says, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. That I'm enough, guys. I am enough. And so when we look at those three statements and he says, I'm the way, he's like, I'm, I'm the way to the thing that you desire, which is to be with the Father. I'm the truth. Everything I said is true and can be trusted. I'm the life. And you can experience life today and forever through me. And many people struggle with the statement of I am the way, the truth, and the life because it seems like it is so restrictive. It seems like it's like, well, Jesus, it feels like there should be a lot of ways. Like if I just live a good life or I do this, yeah. And Jesus goes, no, I'm, I'm the only way. And the reason that feels so restrictive is because a lot of people are content with their own way of doing life. Like they're just content. And so when you tell them, no, 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 Jesus is the only way, it's like, that's offensive. No, 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 I'm, I'm living a good life. I'm being a good person. No, that's offensive. That's offensive. Jesus can't be the only way. Some people just don't believe they're lost. And so when you say, well, you need Jesus, and they're like, I don't need Jesus. I'm doing good. I'm, I'm, I'm great. And then there's people who have their own spirituality, their own practice, their own religion that they're following, and they're like, that's great. You've got your way. And so when you say, no, 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 Jesus is the only way, that's offensive. That's narrow-minded. Like, that, that, that is a problem today. It's like, you, get, you, you Christians, you don't have any tolerance. And, and I agree, we have made a lot of mistakes along the way. We have made a lot of mistakes on the way. But if I could be so bold to tell you that Jesus saying he is the only way is not narrow-minded... And it is not limiting. Because the truth is, Jesus goes, this is all you have to do. Trust me. Believe. Like, that's, that's not limiting. That's inviting. He's not saying, like, sorry, you got you to gotta check all these boxes to get in. No, he's saying, believe. Trust me. Trust in my reliability. Trust in my strength. Trust in my ability to save you and to prepare the way. The way to Jesus is not, I mean, it is narrow. Trust me, it is. He's the only way. But it is very inviting and it is very simple. All you have to do is believe. And he invites us into that. He invites us into that. And so... As Jesus finishes this up, this is his next statement. We keep going on. He says, if you had really known me, you know, you would know who my father is. From now on, you know him and have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the father and we will be satisfied. Basically, what Jesus is saying is this powerful statement that him and the father are one. You know, they've been relating to God as the father for a long time. But Jesus comes in and he says, me and the Father are one. And uh, Philip does what so many of us want, whether we've been following Jesus for a long time or whether we are like, man, this is offensive. 
Okay, that's the case. Show me the Father. Show me God. And then I'll be satisfied. Like if you just show me God, that'll be enough. Show me the glorious God. And this is a bold ask because if we even go back to the Old Testament, Moses got the courage at one point. He goes, all right, show me your glory, God. And all Moses gets to see is the back glimpse of God. And it's forever changed. And so Philip all of a sudden gets some courage and he goes, show me, show me the father. And I look at that and so many of us can relate to that in our lives because all of a sudden we're like, okay, if you just show me God, if you just show me your glory, then I'll trust you. Then I'll believe. If you just reveal yourself to me, then I'll stop sleeping with my girlfriend or my boyfriend and I'll trust you. If you, just, if you just show me yourself, then I'll be satisfied and I'll start to give you a tenth of my income and I'll start tithing, God. But you got to show me yourself first. If you just come down and give me this supernatural experience of who you are and do the impossible, then I will trust you with this area of my life. That's how we put Like, I just want to see you. If I can see you, if I can see that if there's a God of the universe, then I will believe. Like we relate to Philip. I, I don't understand what you're saying, Jesus. I don't get all this truth in the way and all this stuff talk. I don't get it. But if you just show me you, then I'll get it. Then I'll get it. That's where all of us are. We all got areas in our lives where we don't trust God, where we don't really believe. Now remember that John, who is writing this book, he is writing to the unbeliever, but he is also writing to the believer. He's writing to all of us. He's saying, do you really trust me with this area of your life? Do you really believe that I am who I say I am? And this is what Jesus' response is to Philip. He says, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. And so Jesus is claiming that him and the Father are one, right? Just reiterating that for us. But more than what I see in there is that Jesus is looking at Philip and he's going, Philip, do you not understand? I'm enough. I'm enough. So I don't know what pain you came in with today. I don't know what loss you're experiencing. I don't know where that is, but Jesus speaks into that and he goes, I'm enough. I'm enough. I don't know what you feel like you're missing out on. I don't know what empty desires are going unmet, what's not satisfied in your life, but I believe that Jesus whispers into us this morning and goes, I'm enough. I'm all you'll ever need. Me and the Father are one. Yeah, but show me God. I'm enough. I'm enough. I'm right here before you. 
Do you believe that God's enough? Do you believe that Jesus is enough? Is that enough in your life? Because until you trust that, until you believe that, the way you live will not change. The way you go about your life will not change. And Jesus wants us to come to him and go, I don't understand. I don't get this loss. I don't get why you've taken this away. I don't understand what's going on. But I believe that you're enough. That you're the way, the truth, and the life. I believe that. I want to close with this final thought as I invite the worship team up. And uh, I think this is a really, really important for us because many of us, we want an experience with God. We really want the experience. And I'm, I'm all about experiences. Trust me. I, I love them. Right? But we want, we want the supernatural experience. Even when I first really was seeking out Jesus, it's like I, I wanted to experience. I, you know, I wanted to see God. And I... And we want those moments, and those are powerful moments, and I believe those are a part of following Jesus. I believe experiences are part of the faith. I'm not taking those away. You're talking to the experiential learner right here. Well, I'm talking, but you're listening. And we want those. But another part of our faith is when we actively do something, when we don't just sit there and listen, but we do something about it. That's another part of the faith. We have experiential. We have the active part of our faith. And then there's this cognitive side that sometimes we can wrestle with. That's the word of God. That is the words of Jesus. And so I just want to show you this last verse here. It says, just believe that I am the Father and the Father is me. Or at least believe because the work you have seen me do. Jesus is simply saying to us, just believe. Just trust. That's what he's saying. And what I see Jesus doing for us here is he's, he's look, he shows us the Bible. He shows us scripture and he goes... Believe what I say. Just believe my words. When you trust someone, you trust their word. He says, trust the word of God. Trust the scriptures. But I don't feel God right now. You know, when my wife goes to work, at the, and, and all of a sudden I go, babe, I, I just don't feel loved by you right now. You've been eight hours at work all day. And I just haven't seen you. I haven't talked to you. I haven't anything. I don't, I don't feel like you love me. That would be a little insecure. You guys would be like, that's ridiculous. But that is how we approach God often sometimes. Because my wife is sitting there working and bringing money home and providing for us so we can live and eat and do all these things and proving her love to me. And that is God. When my wife says she loves me at the end of the day, I believe that and I trust that. Not because she spent all eight hours with me, but because I know what she's been doing. I trust her. And God sits there and says, this is my word. You want to know about Jesus? You want to experience Jesus in your life? Open up the book. Open it up. These are the words of God. He left them here. Some people are like, well, can you trust that? I think if the God of the universe thought he made a mistake in what he left us, he could probably amend it. He could probably do that. But I believe God says this is enough. And so I'm not saying you need to get on a big old daily reading plan and not ever miss a day. I believe that would do you a lot of good. 
Mom said, what if you could just open up and say, what's the verse of the day? Can you, can you go back to uh, the first verse of, of the chapter today? 14.1. What if, what if today, this was all you had to do was, don't let your hearts be troubled. What if that's all God had to say today? What if that was his word for you today? And you just held on to that and you said, I'm going to trust that. I'm going to believe that. Yeah, I don't feel him right now. I don't experience him right now. But this is the word of God. This is his word. And it is active and it is alive and it is sharper than a two-edged sword. And he's, and he's saying, hey, you, don't be troubled right now. Don't be troubled. That is God speaking to us. He leaves these things here for us. And he says, this is enough. I'm enough. And so if I was to encourage you today and say something that you can do, you don't, you don't need me telling you. It's in here. It's in here. This is all you need. And all you got to do is open it up and start reading and realize that this is the greatest love story there ever was of how God has been pursuing humanity for thousands of years to win us back to himself because we don't believe that he's enough. And so I would encourage you this morning to open this book with your family, with your friends, by yourself, and just read it. And so now we're going we're gonna to spend a moment, we're just going to worship, because that's what we do, we respond. And we sing and we, we tell God, hey God, this is what's going on in my life. And so I just want to invite us in, if you, wherever you're at, to just worship from where you are, wherever your heart's at in this mo- moment. I'm just going to pray for just a moment and we'll worship. So, Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you are enough. Thank you that you are with us, God. In everything we do or experience, Father, you are there. And even when it feels like you're not there, that doesn't change the way that you love us or pursue us. And so, Lord, we we surrender whatever season, whatever loss, whatever thing's going on in our life that is causing so much pain or hurt, whatever it is, and we give it to you. And I say, man, we we know you're here, God. We know you're close. We know you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.